0: You know, a lot of the victims of psychopaths and sociopaths are very young women, college aged women, or even high school girls. Because they're still naive. You know, it's not necessarily that they're the most attractive to a sociopath or a psychopath. It's they're the most naive and when we're naive we send out signals that we are vulnerable the older women become the more experience they have and the less naive they are and they also may not always but develop more confidence so it is it's said that if you want to avoid being a target to walk tall keep your shoulders back Look people in the eye. Don't put your head down and not look at people, but look people in the eye, let them know, hey, I see you. Walk strong. You give the appearance that you're not vulnerable and you're not a good target, that you're gonna fight back. And they don't want people that are going to fight back. They want the vulnerable, innocent, people that are not going to give them a hard time. So the more you develop your confidence, the more you can practice. You know, the shoulder thing, put your shoulders up, back, and down. Always work with keeping your shoulders back and your head high, because that's a sign of confidence. That that sends out a message, don't mess with me. And that's what you need to do. But also, listen, if your intuition says, you know, you should cross the street and walk on the other side of the street when you see somebody approaching. By all means, cross the street. And by all means, do what you need to do to protect yourself. Nowadays, they've got all kinds of protection devices they've got um, stun guns and mace and. Uh, noisemakers and things like that, that will um, buy you some time if you are approached by somebody, whether it's a thief or a rapist or a kidnapper, whatever it is, you know, that can buy you some time to get out of there. But most of us, I mean, the majority of us don't, don't really encounter that kind of a thing. It's more that we encounter the narcissist, And I want to get back to the evil for a minute. I started to talk about that, and then I went off um, in another direction. That evil spelled backwards is live, L-I-V-E. Now, if you look at that, evil is actually lacking in life force. So when we see an image of evil, it might be like a skull and crossbones, which is symbolic of death, which is symbolic of the opposite of life. And life and love are synonymous, they go together. When we are filled with the life force, we are connected also with our bodies and with a love that comes from the source of life. But when you are lacking, when you are shut down, closed off, or completely disconnected from that life force, you are more in alignment with death than life. And so you bring that death energy with you into your relationships. And that's what happens with narcissists is they they don't really have access to the life force within them, which means they also don't have access to the love. So they have to get it from others and they become vampires. They become predators, they become parasites, looking for a host, and you become the host, you become the person who is feeding that narcissist with your life force energy, with your love. And what happens is when we become a food source, for another, we're not getting anything back. We're feeding and feeding and feeding and giving and giving and giving. And we're not getting anything back. So what happens when you don't give anything back is you become depleted, you become drained. You lose your energy. You lose your life force. And then you become disconnected. And this is really important to understand. And this is why I do soul retrievals and cord cuttings and things like that in, in my hypnotherapy sessions, because it's really starting the process of getting your life force energy back of calling back that which you've given away. And, and the narcissistic person actually uses your energy to get the next relationship. When I first learned about narcissism, I was a young woman who was dating a man for quite a long time. I was living with him and it was a really rough relationship for me. I was really deteriorating uh, physically too. I was having all kinds of physical issues and emotional issues. I was really um, struggling with my emotional reality. I was struggling with darkness. And I would turn to him for support and he would offer no support whatsoever. And I just continued to kind of waste away really until I finally listened to my inner voice that said, if you don't get out of here, you're gonna die. You're gonna die here. And so I got out. I mean, I got out in a day when I heard that voice, it's like, you gotta get out of here now. So I packed up I, I also called a friend that I hadn't talked to in a year, but my inner wisdom said, call Jim. So I called Jim and he asked, how are you doing? And I said, not good. I need a place to stay. And I don't know why I said that to him. I hadn't talked to him in a year. And he said, oh, I just happen to have a place for you. He says, you can move in today. And he told me about it. He told me um, where to get the key. I packed up my stuff and I left just like that after living with this man for three years. It was a really interesting situation because I, thought that by moving that I was going to instantly start getting my my life force back that it would be a quick recovery. Well, this was my first experience with something like this. And I actually got worse. I actually continued to deteriorate. and I was a, an emotional wreck. And part of it was I think I had a belief that if I left, that he might come around that he might care enough to do something different, that he might show that he cared about me, but he didn't, he just immediately went on to somebody else, like, like those three years meant nothing. And that was really disturbing to me. It was super hurtful. You know, my, my assessment was he, I did, he didn't care about me. He just didn't care. And although I knew that on some level, it really became clear to me when I left. And it was very painful. It was heartbreaking. It was soul depleting. And I had to go through this whole process. Well, I didn't seem to be recovering very quickly. I went to several doctors and psychologists and they weren't very helpful. I got put on antidepressants. I got diagnosed with PTSD. And I still was not recovering. I wasn't eating or sleeping. So they put me on antidepressants, hoping it would help me to sleep or eat. And it did a little bit. But you know, after three, I think three months on antidepressants, it was like, I can't be on these things anymore. So I quit taking them. And still was not getting better. And on the advice of a friend, about six months into my recovery, I went to see a psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't remember which, but she was recommended by a friend who had gone to see this woman and said she was really, really good at what she did. So I went to see her. And by that time I was convinced there was something seriously wrong with me, that I had some kind of psychological disorder or mental illness, and that I wanted a diagnosis so I could do something about it. So I took the battery of tests. I I told her I thought that I had something wrong with me and I needed to be tested. And she she, um, gave me a lot of testing to take prior to our session she had gone over all the tests and then spent some time questioning me asking questions and after a period of time she looked up from her glasses and she said well he's a narcissist because i told her i wasn't wasn't recovering from this relationship and I didn't know what a narcissist was at that time and I said well what's a narcissist and she said well. it's someone who. deep down inside feels like the lowliest worm on the planet. and. They need people to pump them up. To make them feel bigger. And so you are like a tire pump and he's like a flat tire and you're always pumping him up. And keeping him inflated. And that was my first (laughs) that was my first introduction to narcissism. And she also told me the mythological story of the man named narcissist who fell in love with his own reflection and rejected the advances of Echo the forest nymph who was in love with Narcissus but could not speak she could only echo what he would say and there's a whole psychology and mythology around this but just to keep it short Narcissus fell in love with his own reflection in a pool of water and he remained there at the edge of the pool, gazing lovingly into his own reflection. And there are two stories. Is, one is that he died there and the flower, the narcissist grew where he died. And the other story is that he fell into the pool of water and drowned and a flower grew there at the shore of where he drowned. Either way, he was very self-absorbed and not able to love anyone else, only his own reflection. So his reflection is basically what is reflected back to him. And it needs to be a loving reflection, it needs to be a positive and loving reflection, which explains why when we get mad at a narcissist because they're, they don't seem to care about us, or they're ignoring us, or they're doing things like cheating or whatever, And we rebel against that and say, hey, this is not cool. I don't like this. We're not giving them a positive reflection. And that's where they're likely to turn away from us and go find somebody who will. So it's like we're the pool of water reflecting back to them a loving image in the beginning, right? Where we just think they're awesome. So we are showing them a positive mirror in the beginning and they can fall in love with that mirror that reflection of themselves that they're falling for we think they're falling in love with us but no they're falling in love with what we are reflecting back to them that positive reflection of them and when we get angry or we're not we're not reflecting positively to them they will leave and go find somebody who will who who worship the ground they walk on, who are in love with them, or who see them in a positive light. So that's why narcissists will always only surround themselves with people who see them in a positive light. And it's not that that's a bad thing. I think we all do that to a certain degree. But it's it's very exaggerated with the narcissist because they're depending on these positive reflections to pump them up to give them a sense of self. They're not getting that sense of self from within. And when we're truly confident, when we're truly self-sufficient, we're able to rely on inner resources to get our sense of self. And that, that can include our relationship with the divine, with spirit, with God, that powerful source. And we also get it from positive self-talk, from our ability to develop a kind and loving relationship with ourselves, what I call self-love, so that we are able to, in a sense, inflate ourselves to a point of, of being on par with everybody else. So it's not about inflating ourselves to a point where we think of ourselves as superior to others, which is a typical narcissistic thing to do is inflate yourself to a point of superiority. Instead, we need to inflate ourselves to a point where we can tell ourselves that I'm as good as anybody else. I'm not inferior. I am equally as good as anybody else. Because we often, especially, you know, if we come from an environment that makes us feel inferior, we walk through life feeling inferior. And that has to change to where we acknowledge and realize that everybody has fears and everybody has insecurities. And we're just as good as everybody else. And we are good being who we are. There's nothing wrong with who we are. So we acknowledge our own goodness. We acknowledge our own ability to love and to care. And we acknowledge that part of us that can love others. So when you're recovering from having danced with a narcissist, somebody who is taking and taking and taking and who demands that positive reflection at all times, no matter what he's done, he still needs you to reflect him positively, or she still needs you to reflect her positively, regardless of the behavior, regardless of the actions. And if you protest, if you don't like a behavior and you protest, then the focus is going to be on your protesting. It's going to going to be on how crazy you are that you're reacting, you're so reactive, you're so hypersensitive. Because narcissistic people can't take any responsibility for their actions, they are only going to focus on your reaction because your reaction is that mirror. That's all they can see is that reflection coming back at them. And that's also a sign of narcissism. If you are wondering if the person that you're with or working for or, you know, any anything, any kind of relationship you might have. If that person is constantly needing you to reflect them positively and cannot handle constructive criticism or feedback, or cannot handle you talking about your feelings, you know, this hurts when you do that. You know, when you talk to me like that, it hurts and they become incensed and start talking to you negatively, or say that you're oversensitive, or they didn't do anything to hurt you, what are you talking about, you know, that is a sign of narcissism. So the more you can tune into yourself and become aware, the more you're going to be able to spot this evil type of energy now a lot of people cannot see their partners or people they love family members as evil they don't want to use that word and that's fine i'm using evil in the context of lack of life force which causes a death energy which causes an inner which creates an energy that vampires other people that needs to feed on other people's emotional energy so whether you know you might have heard that narcissists it doesn't matter whether whether they're getting positive energy or negative energy from you it's still energy they're still extracting life force from you so you are still giving them that oxygen that inflates their tire and that's what we have to stop doing that's why we go no contact with narcissistic people that's why we gray rock the word gray rock really means no emotional energy you do not give any of your emotional energy to that person so if you have to co-parent with them or work with them or anything like that and you still have to be around them you just don't give them any of your emotional energy period you show them no signs of emotion, even if you're feeling something you do not show them, because that's giving them that energy. And the best way to extract ourselves from a relationship with the narcissist is to quit feeding them to quit being a a host for that parasitic energy, stop allowing them to feed from our energy. It seems like every day I learn something more. I've been doing this work. Well, you know, I started in my research when I was a teenager. And so I have been doing this work for a very long time. It's been developing. And I'm yet to be a master. I'm still challenged at times. we all are. And we can't get down on ourselves if we have allowed a narcissist into our lives. Because remember, they're very well masked. We don't often see it until it comes in the door until we become aware that we're losing our energy or our vitality. And that's the time that we have to say no that we have to walk away. So don't fault yourself if you miss the signs right away, but just become better at recognizing those signs. Become better at loving yourself. Become better at reflecting yourself to yourself in a positive way where you can see yourself as good where you can see yourself as just as good, where you can see yourself and experience yourself as worthy, as lovable, as kind and generous, and all the things that you are, to be able to really own who you are and walk tall with your shoulders back, Keep your head high and know that you are worthy. So thank you for taking this journey with me today. I hope that you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, if you're interested in booking a counseling or hypnotherapy session, please visit narcissismfree.com or pathbacktoself.com. Again, thanks so much for being here and I'll see you in the next podcast. Have a great day.